Now on the line is our erstwhile reporter from Canberra, Sheridan Holderhead, live from our Canberra Bureau. Thanks for joining us, Sheridan. No worries. Good to be with you. Now, marginal Liberal seat holder Anne Sudmalis has now become another woman who's announced she will not contest the next election. That's pretty tough for poor Scott Morrison, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And obviously the party um, just recently went through the pre-selection process for um, Anthony Miles's seat. Uh, she was um, had been tipped to, you know, face a um, tough pre-selection battle. And then uh, Scott Morrison was um, among a number of uh, senior MPs to throw their support behind her to ensure that, you know, she remained um, as the candidate for the next election. And then for her to sort of turn around and uh, throw that back in his face, I don't know that that would be particularly well received. Um, and and she, of course, represents the New South Wales seat of Gilmore. And Scott Morrison described her as a good friend. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was a classic press conference where uh, Scott Morrison stood next to her with his arm around uh, <laughs> Anton Miles for the whole time. It was almost like awkwardly long. He does um, that quite a bit, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, he does. Um, and yeah, he seems, seems to be a bit of a, a huggy kind of guy. <laughs> uh, um, and yeah, and uh, yeah, and stood there and you know gave her firm support. Uh, and then um, yeah, she sort of decided, well, well, that's not enough. And as uh, um, apparently uh, blaming um, her. Um, 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 the members of uh, the party in her electorate um, and saying that, you know, she doesn't feel that they support her and that doesn't feel that um, that they actually really understand the needs um, of voters, which, you know, given the fact that she is the uh, elected representative, you would think that it was kind of partly her responsibility to ensure that, you know, her team uh, do understand that. Mm. And she did go to great pains to say that it wasn't a reflection on the leadership or Scott Morrison. But the problem is that her seat, I think she holds it with less than 1%. It's a very marginal seat and it'd be very difficult for the government to hold it at the next election. There's another problem. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess the thing that it does do is that perhaps, you know, bringing in a fresh face, um, you know, maybe it'll be someone, you know, that uh, um, is seen as a potentially a harder worker. There have been people that have said uh, that they didn't feel that, um, you know, uh, Antimalis worked the seat hard enough. So perhaps, you know, this this could be um, a good thing in the end. But yeah, I think any, especially given that it is another woman to resign, given all of the issues that are going on um, at the moment uh, with the party. No. Oh, we've lost Sheridan there. I think uh, I was about to ask her. We'll get her. We'll get her back on the line. But I um, want to ask her about this uh, very interesting phenomenon that happened in Question Time today, where a few journalists started noticing that a lot of the women there, uh, liberal women, people like Julia Banks and Kelly O'Dwyer and Anne Sidmalis, were all wearing red. And uh, some were wearing red shoes. The other day, Julie Bishop was wearing red shoes when she announced that she was uh, going to the backbench. Um, you know, is this some sort of solidarity, some meaning in, in these women? Have they decided uh, to get together and wear red today? And that comes on the very day that the Australian newspaper had on its front page a story by Janet Albrechtson revealing a private WhatsApp conversation between a number of Liberal women, including those women I just mentioned, but also Lucy Gachui and uh, and others. And uh, they they were talking sort of in solidarity. They had little pictures of red shoes, emojis uh, in their conversations, talking about the bullying and how they had to stand up for each other. Sheridan's back on the line. Hi, Sheridan. What do you make of um, all those women wearing red today, the Liberal women? Yeah, so I... 
think um, there wasn't actually quite as many people as what might have been photographed. Um, uh, South Australian uh, MP Nicole Flint was actually wearing pink, um, and so she says there was no conspiracy there from her, her point of view. Uh, but, yeah, as you did mention, uh, Anthony Mullis was another, and so was Julia Banks, uh, so who have been uh, vocal in um, this topic of uh, women and what is happening um, in the party. Uh, so perhaps there was something to it, but I, um, you know, from anyone that I've spoken to, they said that there wasn't, but, you know, who knows? Um, and, yeah, so, but in terms of what was um, going on with this WhatsApp group, um, as the Australian reported, I think um, it was the new Queensland Senator, Amanda Stoker, who made a very good point, which apparently sort of terminated the conversation, which was, if there are real issues here of bullying, that specific examples, they need to be reported to the appropriate um, person who is the whip, uh, so then they can be investigated and dealt with, because at the moment, it's just a whipping up of rumours and sort of innuendo, and there could quite well be some real truth to these, but unless anyone sort of actually explains what the circumstances were, it's very difficult for the party to, to deal with it, and all it's really doing um, is uh, is just making the whole situation seem worse for the party in general and getting uh, even worse reputation, I think, among the public, that they really do have a women problem. Mm, mm. Yes, it's quite unfortunate for Scott Morrison. Uh, now, I wanted to also talk about uh, question time. The PM was under fire quite a bit from Labor over this aged care royal commission that he's just called. Um, what was Labor trying to do? Yeah, so Labor um, are going on the attack um, along the lines of the, um, the the government has supposedly cut um, $1.2 billion from um, the aged care uh, sector. Um, however, this is a very much an argument similar to the argument that Labor runs um, in health and education, which have been successful for Labor, but are also... Not really as clear-cut um, as Labor presents it. It's uh, really looking at um, changes to funding levels, but that it doesn't present. Like, it's not it's not that you go from, say, $10 billion in one year to $9 billion the next. Funding is still growing, but perhaps not at a rate uh, that had been uh, at once. Well, we actually we actually have some uh, audio of Scott Morrison. I think he did pretty well today in answer yeah. to a question from Bill Shorten this afternoon. Have a listen to this. Why, when he was Treasurer in his first budget, did the now Prime Minister cut $1.2 billion from aged care? How did cutting $1.2 billion from aged care support the dignity of vulnerable older Australians? The Treasurer will cease interjecting. The Prime Minister has the call. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Well, I was hoping there'd be some bipartisanship, Mr Speaker, when it came to issues of aged care. But clearly the opposition... I will, I will retain some hope on that front, Mr Speaker, but to address the, uh, the Leader of the Opposition's question... Only this could happen with Labor Party financial management, where you increase the budget for aged care by a billion dollars every single year. Can that, in their minds, be a cut to funding? A billion extra from the 2016-17 budget every single year and going out to the end of the Ford Estimates, we are increasing the funding for aged care. Only under the Labor Party can one plus one equal zero, Mr Speaker. That's how they do their maths. He's very good, isn't he, Scott Morrison? 
Yeah, he really um, took those questions um, on quite easily. Um, and, yeah, as you say, just bashed them away um, every time and, and really did sort of paint it as a picture of um, the Labor Party not really understanding uh, the budget, which I guess works very well uh, with... Um, what the government is hoping to sell as their um, economic management um, being a lot stronger than Labor's ahead of the next election. So, Well, that it's, actually it's, brings us into the Fairfax Ipsos poll, which is out today in the Fairfax papers. And no surprise, obviously, Coalition is behind Labor after all the disruption. But Scott Morrison made a good start, didn't he, when it came to personal characteristics like economic competence and trust? Yeah, exactly. Um, and it, they were really interesting results. Um, it also showed um, Labor's primary vote being extraordinarily low. Yeah, 31%, uh, which, wasn't it? That's Yeah. Uh, can that be right? I mean, well, Ipsos polls are always a bit sort of dicey, and I think they tend to be the kind of thing that you can probably pick up broad trends from over mm. time, but probably sort of like specifically drilling down into the numbers um, on any given poll is, yeah, a little bit hairy with these ones. Um, mm. But it, it does, it, it sort of is interesting to show that sort of that broad trend of that movement away from the major parties and that that is still seemingly sort of lasting us up in Australia going into this next um, election. So it'll be interesting to see sort of what what happens in in that space. But um, I definitely was a good poll for the government. Um, I suppose, as as I was saying, you know, nobody necessarily put a huge amount of credibility into the Ipsos polls, not the same uh, that we do into the news, news poll. poll. But, and, it's, you know, it's a good sign nonetheless, I'm sure they would think. Yes. And Sheridan, just lastly, um, the New South Wales Liberal Party this afternoon, after Nick Greiner actually urged them to, has just announced those secret numbers in Warringah where Tony Abbott was up for re-endorsement on Friday night. And uh, there was a story saying he'd only secured 55% of the vote, but apparently he secured a lot more, as he said, almost 70%. Yeah, it makes you sort of wonder why the party, uh, they they decided not to release the numbers at, mm. at the first because it really made the story carry on uh, for a number of days longer than it needed to. And, um, you know, Tony Abbott himself was, you know, pretty much up front with, you know, what the sort of the percentage split was. And if the party had have simply released the numbers, that would have, um, you know, why backed didn't up that. They? Well, I mean, you have to wonder if there, you know, is something more there because it really did just mean that this story sort of carried us through the weekend mm. when it could have just sort of died on Saturday. So, yeah, I think if I was um, about it, I'd probably be pretty annoyed about it. So, mm. yeah, that's a, and it doesn't say much when they're they're supposed to be going. You know, the Liberal Party in New South Wales is supposed to be moving towards more transparency, more democratisation. These plebiscites after the next election, and uh, yet they're hiding what the numbers are, which in in the end, were not that bad for Tony Abbott. Although, having said that, 68 votes for him and 30 votes against him in a seat that he's held for 25 years shows that there is somewhat of a protest vote in his backyard. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the other issue that um, he'll have to sort of tackle going forward is when they do um, have this uh, greater democratisation that, um, you know, there'll be many more people being able to have a vote. Um, and so that that's obviously harder to control. And if, um, you know, the young Liberals are getting um, a stronger vote, which is sort of against him, that that could cause him... Well, stacking the branch with moderates, which is yes. what's been rumoured. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I suppose, you know, anyone can you know, stack a branch if they, you know, want to go out and find members. So, yeah. Yeah. One man's stack is another man's popularity. Terrific. Thanks so much, Sheridan. Always great to talk to you and glad that you've joined Miranda Live.
Thank you. The podcast Faith on Trial looks into Hillsong, both in Australia and the U.S., and takes both the listener and hosts on unexpected twists and turns in the story of Brian Houston and the singing preachers. There are two incidents involving Pastor Brian. The Australian journalists uncovered a litany of alleged criminal behavior in the megachurch. Financial gifts were being given to the leaders of the church. Listen to Faith on Trial Hillsong ad-free on Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts today or wherever you get your podcasts.